religion. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Sicilia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report of the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. This is the word of the Lord. joy to be back. In fact, to be strictly accurate, the shirt is from uh, Southeast Asia, from, um, from the Borneo, and um, just from a recent visit in January. Uh, but it's very nice to be known, regardless of how much you remember of what I say as the man who wears those shirts. But there you go. Uh, it's nice to be back, too, uh, having been here on a number of occasions um, over the years. Uh, and to feel that this church, of Christ Church, has, has a very special anointing for God's worldwide mission. It's very, very exciting to be aware of that, not only in terms of the history, and churches can get s stuck in history and those that do die, but in terms of the present realities, actually uh, the connections that, that are there. And this particular Sunday is, is a new kind of innovation within Litchfield Diocese called GPS Sunday. And as Libby explained, it, it's about the sort of way in which we are connected, where we are in relation to the wider church and recognizing that our global positioning really, really matters. A lot of churches are desperately struggling and are very preoccupied with how we're going to pay our share um, you know, how
to kind of raise money at the next coffee morning or whatever. Uh, whilst these may be important, if we've lost track of our, the, the bigger picture, um, we're, we're diminishing the gospel profoundly. So GPS Sunday is something which I hope will be repeated year by year. And for this church, uh, it can be the most wonderful festival. We're going to see very shortly uh, some of the people who, who we are actually connected with. But I, I was aware this morning, driving over from Stoke-on-Trent, left in the sunshine, then hit sort of lots of cloudy haze and ended up sun coming out here again at Baston Hill, you'll be pleased to hear. I got stuck behind a couple of these Moolah, is that how you pronounce it, lorries. Um, so that slowed me down considerably. So I had plenty of time to read all the kind of stuff on the back of the lorry. And one of the things it said was, don't just follow me, join me. Well, I don't know, I wasn't feeling particularly tempted at that point to join them, but, but I thought it's a quite a good message, that, isn't it? It reminded me of the um, old bumper sticker, Master Carpenter of Nazareth Seeks Joiners. I don't know if you remember that one. But somehow Jesus saying, well, even following is one thing, but actually joining is another. And rather an, an appropriate reminder and challenge on this Global Positioning Sunday now, how are we actually going to kind of join in God's worldwide mission? Well, I'd like us to, by way of celebration and, and prayer, and there's this wonderful prayer circle over here within the church, opportunities to actually pray for your existing mission links and missionaries. And we will later in this service actually kind of move, as it were, from just talk to action when we pray for and commission and hear more about Rachel's forthcoming uh, visit and trip and uh, experience in Durban, South Africa. But let's just um, see and see how many of these you know, how many of these you are praying for, how many of these you feel part of your uh, church family. So, for example, we begin with Helen. Helen Vipers, actually with Hope for Children in Latvia. And uh, as we go through each of those, we, these, we hold them in prayer and love. And then Hel Hazel, working with Cross Links in Ethiopia. Another connection with Rachel Karach with you at United Missions to Nepal. And then Martin and Susie, who were at the earlier service, working with Reach the Unreached, who were talking about having planted something like 700 churches just in recent times, and through the Langham Trust, incidentally a, a trust which is rated very highly in the global south in the uh, many churches in Africa and Asia. And then there's Rachel, Ellie, James, Mike and Abby Hill, connected with Friends International, who do tremendous work with hospitality of overseas students and OMF, based in Birmingham. And then Think in Southampton, Stephen Debs, Benjamin Naomi, Samuel Jacob, and Aaron McClure were the navigators. But then, in addition, praying for Sarah Wilkins and thinking of her work with Morning Star Children's Centre in South Africa, with Dan and Philippa Mundy, Monday, Kathmandu International Centre, connected with CMS, one of the another of the traditional Anglican mission agencies, the Church Mission Society. Uh, I 
I've worked with, based in Nepal, and uh, Rachel, who's actually here, and we're going to be hearing uh, more from her a bit later. So today, as GPS Sunday, it's a, a, a wonderful opportunity to, to see our part in that wider picture of God's mission. Uh, just to remind you that my role uh, is part diocesan, to do with encouraging people to look outwards, uh, to do with that um, world mission that's part of our calling. And then for the last 18 months, uh, been in Stoke-on-Trent with a particular brief in Stoke North Deanery to uh, feed into cross-cultural mission. Because actually whenever we connect with mission across cultures, rather than just being with people like us, uh, we're actually doing something close to God's heart, and we are, I would say, getting ready for heaven, because we just know that heaven will be multicultural, multinational, and multi-everything else. Uh, so let's get ready for it as best as we can now. The two connect very well, really, world mission and cross-cultural mission. What I wanted, although keen to kind of highlight some other aspects of world mission, to focus just on the passage from Galatians 1, 11 onwards, uh, and to take from that um, seven points that actually do connect, I believe, with um, this desire to be where God wants us to be. So, um, if you've got your Bible handy, uh, turn to Galatians chapter 1 from verse 11. Uh, and uh, verses 11 and 12 underline what Paul says. Uh, the, the title of this, a gospel received from Jesus Christ. In other words, whose gospel is it? Is it your gospel? Is it based on Hill's gospel? Uh, is it the Church of England's gospel? And the correct answer to all of those questions is... Sorry? No, absolutely not. It's Jesus' gospel. Does that solve all our problems? Not really. I mean, you think of the church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. They claim to be the church of Jesus Christ. We're getting it right, but, but no, they're not. So, actually, but what, what it does challenge us to do is to actually get behind the things that we like to get behind our ownership, as it were, and the sort of angles we put on things, and say that what really matters is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I received this by revelation from Jesus Christ. Then, secondly, we note that actually our own conversion matters. Uh, so Paul was able to point to how different he is now from what he was, how he used to persecute the church of God. Uh, and I trust that all of us have a conversion story. Uh, I'm sure that Rachel, when she's in South Africa, as those of you who have been in other cultures, particularly in Africa, will be suddenly turn up at a church and say, well, let, please stand up and introduce yourself and share a message and a word from the Bible. And you go, oh, I haven't prepared anything. But it doesn't matter. You get up and you share. And, and time and again, What's so important for people to hear is that story of coming to know Christ and that journey from shaking all that dirt and, and filth off and coming to know that deep cleansing of knowing Christ. 
And so Paul had an amazing conversion story. But I did notice how the, he said he intensely persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it, and we know this. And it made me think about ISIS. It made me think about those who, were actually act, who are actively persecuting uh, in the name of religion to some degree, uh, and the challenge, because Paul was undoubtedly deeply radical as a, as a Christian destroyer in terms of radicalization, but wonderfully he kind of turned that and was changed into one who then actually worked for Christ. So thirdly, we note from verse 15 that we are called by God's grace, and what a gift that is. Fourthly, mission means crossing boundaries. So verse 16, Paul had a very particular calling to mission amongst the Gentiles. And um, time and again, that would have led to misunderstanding. It's very hard for us to get our mind round quite how the existing Jewish Christians responded to that. They just could not believe that anyone who wasn't a Jew was part of God's purposes. Paul was passionate that they were, and it was a large part of his role to bring that new understanding in. And it may be that some of you are, are called to a mission that other people don't fully understand or don't even approve of, or they think, oh, be careful with that, or, you know, that's not quite kosher. Uh, all sorts of angles that people can put on it. Mission does mean, I believe, crossing boundaries and moving into territory, whether physical or in terms of work or lifestyle, um, that can at times be very uncomfortable. Paul went there before us and knows all about it. Then note, too, that Paul had quite a period of time, if you like, preparing for mission. This was the fifth point. In verse 16 and 17, Obviously, he was trying to establish his credentials, saying, don't knock me as an apostle, I'm genuine. But he shows that there was this three-year period, uh, some of which he would have spent in Arabia, then returned to Damascus, before he rushed in. I think sometimes within a fellowship, people can have a very, very strong sense, I'm God's gift to you all, folks. <laughs> well, God's called me dot, dot, dot. And yes, let's be open to God's call. We need times of discernment. We need times of preparation. And I picture during those three years that Paul may well have been doing some very, very deep wrestling with his own kind of character, a very, very deep searching as to what really God was wanting, if you like, kind of soul work. And never, never neglect that, please. We can be so sort of activist. Uh, and we can be so sort of spiritual in our interpretation of things that we actually kind of lose the, the need for that deep, deep grounding in God's word, in fellowship, in prayer, in really knowing ourselves. Because if we go to another culture and we don't really know ourselves, that's going to kind of show up big time who we really are and to allow God through his spirit to work on us. It might be a three-year period, and you think, well, I'm wasting my time here, Lord. But the Lord knows better. I'm preparing you, my child. 
Then note in verse 6, teamwork, and I use this word a bit cautiously in relation to Paul because in some ways he was mad about teamwork and had referred to all sorts of people, but in other ways he's falling out with people because he was such a kind of strong and uh, particularly kind of uh, had particular ideas, didn't he? But I want to urge you to work collaboratively and to value teamwork. Verse 18 and 19 speaks about particular exchanges he had with, with Kephas, Cephas and with the Lord's brother. Then finally, what's it all about? It's about God's name being praised, verse 24. And they praised God because of me. So, so that's got to be our fundamental motivation. And I hope that those, those points will kind of be helpful. I've drawn up, as requested, a number of questions for the home groups uh, to look at um, around this passage, some of which pick up the points that I've made now. Others take, take you down some other uh, avenues, and I hope they'll be helpful. If we could just see the next slide. Um, some of you may know about the St. Chad's Volunteer Programme that the diocese has, and I've mentioned it before. And uh, you've got a leaflet uh, that describes it, and some of you may say, well, sort of 18 to 35, sorry, it's not my age range. Um, but I, I'd like to say you can all be part of this, um, whether it's through support, encouragement, mentoring, or actually receiving. Because in addition to people going to our diocesan links for, say, six months, 12 months period, and, and, it, and whilst other mission agencies, and we'll hear about tier funds shortly, are absolutely excellent, the, the, the diocesan scheme offers something very, very distinctive and good too, because we connect with people who we already know in our companion diocesan links, and the focus is very much on growing leaders and on learning from one another. Uh, and so my prayer is that from, from this church, there may be the seeds sown in some of the younger people. Yeah, well, maybe in two years' time, that would be an excellent thing to do. But it's not just a gap year thing. It's also an initiative for people who maybe need a break. A teacher who's had enough. Any teachers here had enough? <laughs> no. Uh, no. Uh, or, or, or someone who's like Paul, needing a period of discernment, you know, because actually going to the church in another part of the world uh, helps you look again at yourself with fresh eyes as you globally reposition yourself and see that God is just a tiny bit bigger than you thought. So the next picture shows um, a gathering, uh, that was an Indonesian shirt I was wearing, by the way, in Southeast Asia uh, in January when I was over at a conference uh, for the Diocese of West Malaysia. I'm standing next to Bishop Moon Hing, who's just been made the Archbishop of the whole province of Southeast Asia. And you'll see an article... Uh, in the latest spotlight, all about the visit made by uh, five people from this diocese to be part of that. Uh, and that was a tremendously encouraging event and underlines, you know, how our global positioning is not just about what can we do for you, it's about what can we receive 
from you. When we go to Southeast Asia, it's almost as if they say, well, you're welcome to come along and, you know, join in what we're doing. But how can we help? Well, just be inspired by what God's doing here. And it's true. Their focus on discipleship, their commitment to, to the Bible and to worship, so much for us to learn from. The next slide uh, underlines the four links that we've got particularly as a diocese, a sort of southern Africa uh, and northern Germany, and then uh, in the east, Southeast Asia, and in the west, uh, Capel Diocese in Canada. And uh, these have been established for quite a number of years. Some of you may know from the past uh, have been part of connections with those dioceses. There are opportunities to establish links with those. And uh, I wanted this morning particularly to highlight that, uh, that possibility. We're in a new era in the diocese, aren't we? I'm aware in a vacancy there can be a, a kind of strong focus on, well, what's going to happen here? That's <laughs> what really matters, never mind in Litchfield. But actually, the mood and the DNA of, of a diocese is, is shaped quite a lot by the diocesan bishop. Uh, and all the signs are that this uh, bishop-designate, Michael Ibgrave, is someone who's very passionate about the, the bigger picture and actually building bridges uh, with people uh, throughout the world. Already, in addition to these four links, he's talking about Japan and uh, New Zealand. Uh, and so I think that the whole DNA of this church, of Christ Church, with its commitment to global mission, will receive enormous encouragement uh, in, in the future. So the final slide asks the question, what next? Because we are all called by God, and mission is not just that optional extra. We're so aware of the pressures and forces of globalization in the news, but actually globalization is at the heart of Christ's mission too. And there may be some new way in which each of us is, is, is being prompted, perhaps to continue with what we're doing, or perhaps to start something new, perhaps to engage with some cross-cultural mission going on nearby, perhaps to befriend some Eastern European nurses who are in the nursing home on the staff not far away, or a Chinese family that's, that's come to primary school in the neighborhood, or to actually go and come in on, during the week and to pray at that prayer circle for some of our link mission partners, or perhaps to wait, there may be something else lined up as part of God's global calling for you. So I pray that we will be not only followers, but join us.